Um, so it's available wherever uh, books are sold. Avail available wherever written material that makes you cry is available. Uh, so you want to get a couple to tee it up, to, to, to talk about what we're here to talk about. Um, you know, I want to say, to start with it, Ryland uh, approached me about doing this podcast two and a half years ago, however long ago it was. Because the 80 pandemic, episodes ago. 80 episodes ago. Because the pandemic had started and we weren't going to cons, and cons were at Zoom online, and we were all lonely, depressed, and sad. And the thing that we, one of the things, one of the main things we missed about cons was hanging out with our fellow professionals and just talking about whatever, you know, everything from the minutia of the business to like the usual, you know, the argument about who was the worst Batman. Or you know whatever whatever comic book people talk about for their lives. Ray and I just talked about California real estate for about. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the way. It was fucking so riveting. It was riveting. Yeah. your seat, white knuckle type yeah. of conversation. Yeah. It, depending on how interested you are in Palmdale, oh. it was a fascinating conversation. <laughs> but uh, Palmdale, the Palmdale of it's one side. This is a particularly writer's block kind of a topic. I want we wanted to talk about today, which is just. Those last two and a half years have been brutal, and we haven't been able to see our colleagues until very recently. And, uh, you know, we work in a already insular, introverted industry where we only rarely get to, you know, come to these things and act like drunken elks uh, for a weekend. Uh, the, the Lodge Brothers, not the the ruminants. Locking antlers. Yeah, that is definitely a con activity, the yes. locking of antlers. Uh, but I just wanted to go down the list. We'll start with you, David, and like, how did the pandemic affect you, and how did it affect your work? Funk. Oh boy, it's such a hard question. Um, it, you know, the social aspect is rough, because we never got to really see each other, and it was all online. But my experience of the pandemic, with the pandemic, was that it cut away all the extra nonsense that the people who are not writers or creators were doing. So, but lots of nods on the stage, pardon me. Yeah, so if, if you are working in the Hollywood side of things, coffees and lunches and dinners and drinks and all these things that would take up time for um, buyers, producers, the creative executives at companies, at studios, they'd be doing all that so they'd have about 10% of their time devoted to actually creative, like reviewing product, you know, scripts, all that stuff. And it cut it all away and suddenly all these executives now have the time to read all your stuff, to get back to your, your uh, representatives when they reach out to them. And so in that way, I, I don't know if we, are we going the, the, the pandemic, pandemic was depressing? Or are we going the We're pandemic? Going whatever way you want to go, my friend. So whatever, however, whatever your reality was, that's, that's what we want to talk about. It was rough, I mean, the pandemic was rough for everybody, but I think it opened up some doors for, I know I personally, all those projects I just listed were all done during the pandemic. I got all of them during the pandemic. So editors had the time to get with creative, get with creators, and make stuff. And I think that I, I want to be the Pollyanna. I do want to be the Pollyanna on the, sure. on the um, panel and say you in that way. Well, thank no. you. <laughs> in that way, the pandemic actually uh, 
was was a positive mm. you, you, for me. You were saying, oh, we don't get to see each other. Uh, uh, that was tough. And, and you and I, this is a very funny story. Um, I feel like I've known you for 10 years. Um, and I don't know how long we've actually known each other. It's, it's, de it's definitely a few years, more than a few years maybe. Right. Um, you and I started out, uh, um, I mean, first of all, we both live in Los Angeles, so, so we're local, but um, we started out trading messages on Twitter. We had a lot of mutual friends. Um, I was slipped into the DMs. Yeah, slipped into the DMs. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I, I loved your book, and so we started talking about that. We connected over that. I organized a lot of panels at cons, and so I immediately wanted to have you, you on panels. And so um, uh, cons went digital, and so I had you on my online panels. Um, but then, you know, I would have you on panels, I would have you on the show, we would just exchange messages or whatever. Um, and it just felt like, I don't know, like we, like we were friends. Yeah, we had, we had, and then, yeah. yeah, and then the first time I had ever seen you in person was, I think, San Diego. Right? It, it was a few months ago at, at San Diego yeah. Comic Con. And, and, and I would, in my head, I didn't even tell you this. I'm like, you are approximately 10% taller than I thought you were. <laughs> just like a slight, it was like a bizarre world. I'm like, Ryan, you're just a little bit taller than I thought, and now I'm all thrown off. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting, because I'm not that tall, so I wonder I, I wonder what you pictured, but um, yeah, like. See, and I always think Ryan is taller. That's, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I always thought he was taller. Than oh, you were hoping yeah, for more? Yeah, I, was, yeah, I got 10% like, more, and you got 10% less. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> about, and that's funny, but, but we, so, so it was before panel at San Diego Comic Con, and we're talking, and we're having this this great conversation, and, and, and we hug each other. And you look me in the eye, and you're like, "This is the first time we're meeting in person." And I was shocked. I was like, "That that can't be right." And, and you're like, "No, no, it is." And, and, and so again, if, if we're looking on the sunny side of things, I think you and I, like, we we, you know, we had this like we made this close friendship, professional romance, whatever you want to call Bro it. Romance. All Let's go. Online romance became yeah. real, and this is going to be our. Um, we collaborate on our Hallmark. I'm all in. Yes. Let me know. Uh, uh, but that was really interesting. That was shocking. I'm still processing it. Like we, because I told you today, yeah. this is the second time I'm seeing you in person. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, twenty percent taller. Yeah. Is it better than the first? <laughs> yeah. Is it better? Than, don't make me choose. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel like every day gets better with David. But. So, so which one of you is the busy executive, and which one of you is the local lumberjack? Oh. In the Hallmark. I mean, you, you, you know, you have the, he has I the think, shirt on. You know, visually, we can see. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, if I ever had to play a lumberjack, I would just die. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, how about you? Tell us about, a little bit about your pandemic. Um, you know, it's actually, for me, I was a producer and development executive right up until the pandemic. And mm. then Hasbro uh, bought E1 and made my department redundant. So um, I was actually laid off a week before the Hasbro offices closed because of COVID cases oh in Burbank. Oh, wow. um, so actually, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but that is absolutely when I became a comic book writer. And mm. I think it's because I was suddenly alone with my thoughts and did not want to be. Um, so it was much easier to create stories and put those thoughts into other people's heads. So, um, but I got very lucky in that I had been working in that industry for about 10 years, and so I made a lot of connections and worked on publishing with, with people like Boom and, and Image and these amazing artists. And so um, when I transitioned to writing, um, it actually was, was really nice because I was able to sit at home for hours and just write and create a portfolio of material and not have to worry about 
trying to go and get another job and trying to go and have drinks and do everything that a development executive is supposed to do. I literally just was able to sit home and write. And that was terrible for my girlfriend because she was bored stiff, but great for me because I got to get a lot of work done. Now I want to ask, were you writing before the pandemic or was, was it a goal of yours that you just never had the time you know, to pursue? It was super weird because I was, I, I think I had, I was reaching the point where I'd been the development executive for so long that I was um, getting itchy to actually write my own okay. games. Um, I was at the point where I felt like I was overdeveloping my poor writers and I was like, I either either do, the, do, do this myself or just like transition to something else because I was getting... Um, I had felt like I'd done everything. I had done the publishing, I'd done the television the development, I'd done the feature film development. I was bored of all of it, and I wanted to go and do my own thing. And thankfully, I was really lucky that I was able to, but, um, but yeah, it was time. It was time. The idea of going and getting another development executive job and like do the same thing all over again kind of killed my soul inside. Especially during that pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, I think you, you touched on a really interesting point here um, you know, coming back to this, this central idea of how we survived the pandemic, um, having this outlet, yeah. um, I think was huge for me and, and what I hear from other creators is, I mean, because here's the thing, it's like there were a lot of people that were locked inside their homes for a couple of years, right? And um, what did they have? They had, I don't know, TV and, you know, a wall and DoorDash. Saturday morning cartoons on YouTube. Yeah, the, the beating heart under the floor, you know, I and mean, like, there were a lot of people that were driven mad. And and and, and here's the thing, it's like, um, uh, I, I'm a, I, I won't go too deep into this, but but one of my other, one of my side hustles is I'm a meditation teacher. And, and one of the things I talk about a lot is, okay, well, um, here's the thing, is if, if you take a little bit of time every day to deal with your shit, that's what meditation is, let me take 30 minutes and deal with me, right? Um, you're, you're, you're trimming the hedges back, right? They don't, they don't grow wild, they don't grow crazy. If you ignore it for a really long time, and then you go to a three-day retreat, I see this all the time, and you sit with nothing but your thoughts for a couple of days, people go fucking insane, because everything they've been running from catches up to them and beats the living piss out of them, right? Um, and, and, and I see meltdowns, I see you know people weeping in the whole nine yards, and I feel like a lot of people they had that retreat syndrome <laughs> during this thing. But what we have is, uh, I mean, it's, it's not meditation, it's this other thing, but we get to deal very seriously with all of the psychological stuff that we're dealing with. Writing for me is therapy. You know, my, my, every one of my characters is me in a certain way or somebody that is difficult in my life. And I am trying to solve that Rubik's Cube every day. Um, and so when we had all of this stuff dumped on us, we were able to channel it into something. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that, I mean, knowing your, your work, I feel like I see that. Um, and so I feel like a lot of us fared better than the average fare because of that. I, I think that's absolutely true. There's, I, I can't remember if it was William Burroughs, someone asked him like, what's the hardest thing about writing? And he said, literally the, the physical courage to be alone in a room sitting in a chair for eight hours a day, if not more. It, a lot of people can't do it. A lot of people literally can't do it. My father wrote 200 published novels. He was very prolific. He was also an incredibly social man. And what he needed, what he did is every morning he would get up pretty early and go to the local diner and sit and drink coffee with the, 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 the truck drivers, you know, coming through the diner and hang out and chat with people for about an hour. And then he was ready to be behind the desk for the day. But he needed, like, he needed to go out and see human beings and 
talk to, and I think also as a writer, if you have no contact with the outside world, you're gonna write some pretty airless, terrible dialogue, because the only voice you're hearing is how our community you have in your head. Uh, and if you take the lithium, you only hear that one. So, uh, I've said too much. Uh, Ray? I was how Melissa just pushed the, like, okay, it's your turn, pal. Yeah. Um, for me, the pandemic, let's start with this. I laughed, I cried, I ended up working on Star Wars. So, sure. uh, the laugh part, um, right before the pandemic, my wife and I took a month off and went to Europe. And it was uh, amazing, absolutely freaking amazing. I mean, we went to Florence, we went to London, we went to uh, Paris, we went to Louvre. It was, uh, you know, I want to say it's a life-changing trip, but it was kind of a life-changing trip for me. Sure. Um, and we, we get back and, uh, you know, pandemic hits. So my wife gets called home. I work from home. Uh, so the other part of the laughing is that she finally understood what I went through every day. And she basically, you know, was freaking out. And I was like, I'll be your Sherpa, right? Like, I'll, I'll walk you through, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, to now. And she never wants to go back. <laughs> she never wants to go back to the office. They've been forced to go back for a few days. But anyway, um, so that was, that was pretty, pretty cool. I just continued business as usual. The cry part is, uh, you know, my dad had a multiple myeloma and he came back from remission. So um, I ended up taking care of him during that that time period, and uh, that was pretty grueling because, you know, with multiple myeloma, it, it doesn't go away. You know, it's um, they have come a long way with uh, cancer cures and, and all that and treatments, but with, with that one, if it comes back, that. So uh, that was a thing that, that we had to deal with. Um, so during that time, I got a call. I was online, and it was during the thing with George Floyd, and that was another part of the cry part. Sure. And uh, you know, I decided usually online, I'm never that vocal. You know, I'm, I'm quiet. You know, I'm always positive. You guys know you see me online. I try to be positive. But I had some things I wanted to say during this time because I felt like they had to say from my point of view. And, I felt um, that, not that I was like screaming into the void, but if anybody was out there, you know, following me or, or you know, had any respect for what I had to say, then it was probably a good time to say some things. And, you know, I, I made a commentary about Marvel. Marvel's been, for the most part, very good to me. Um, but, uh, you know, Mike Seglane, who actually worked for DC at one point, reached out and, uh, this was right after Jim Lee started following me on Twitter, after I started doing that. And that was huge, because people were like, oh man, you know, Jim Lee's following me. It's only because I told the story that when I was a kid trying to get into the industry in the 90s, and I had my portfolio and those long lines, and you know, Jim Lee walked past my work, I happened to have it out talking to somebody else, and he stops and he says, it's pretty good. And I told that story, and Jim remembered me. So, you start following me ever since. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and now, you know, I'm working for Marvel. So, <laughs> but, so during that time, that was pretty cool that Mike Sklar reached out. He's like, you know, I, I know that you're probably looking for, for DC stuff because I'm still freelance, but what do you think about working on Star Wars? 
Well, you're right, right? And, and I was like, I'm sorry, man, what's, what's, oh. You're right, well, you know, that's not, it's, it's not that far from the truth. I, I watched Star Wars. <laughs> he did not say that to me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I love Captain Kirk. Right, right. right. That would be a story for another time, because that happened to me. We <laughs> <laughs> were at Comic-Con. This is the sign, man. Um... Maybe later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I definitely uh, enjoy Star Wars, but but I wasn't a huge fan. And my basis, it was like, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, some original takes on that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a call, and we had this great conversation. And, uh, you know, Marvel has properties, you know, for the comics. And one of my old and best editors, um, uh, Mark Panicchio, he was over Star Wars. So it was like Kidman, you know what I mean? It was in Serendipitous. And, and, and I was working on Dr. Afra before I knew it. Okay. So I'm doing Dr. Afra at the same time I'm taking care of my father. Wow. So it's, you know, taking, uh, taking my dad to chemo appointments. And, you know, my wife's kind of holding things down. You know, she works in the corporate world. So and she's just now kind of adjusting, but she's, she's right there. Anything I needed, you know, it was, it was a family affair. And uh, as things got progressively worse, and I'm getting through issue six, my first issue, and I, I'm cranking, you know, on this stuff, um, it got really bad. So much uh, that I basically had to quit mm. and move in with my, my dad. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, and I, I, that, that how that's basically how it ended, mm. uh, you know, and he he passed uh, 2020 the day before. So, but everybody at Marvel was super supportive, mm. like crazy supportive, and, you know. And uh, you know, I, lo I love the company, um, so uh, they're great. I mean, you know, let's see, let's see if DC can come up with something. But anyway, um, so after that, um, I had to recover from that. I had to recover from that time. I took some time off, emotional time off, and it, it actually affected my own health. So I didn't realize that until I went to the doctor. Uh, my wife and I moved. We had to get away from crazy neighbors. I was talking to Rylan about it. It was yeah. insane. Um, you know, and that kind of made me reassess where I was. You know, it, it made me think, what's more important to me? And I knew that family is more important because that's a choice I would have made. Giving up Star Wars, which has really changed, that changed my life too as a creator. You know, I mean, I thought doing work on X-Men was a boost when you know Star Wars was announced and I was on it, it it, it put me in another bracket. So, sure. um, you know, but but this is not my life. You know what I mean? Like it's a part of my life. It's not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And family is more important. And me getting sick during that time and really just giving so much of myself, I was like, well, I want to be there because if my kids have to go through anything that I went through with my dad. I want to try to be here as long as possible. So I had to figure out what that balance was, and, and the pandemic actually allowed me to do that. So now I'm back, this is a two year trek, but now I'm back on regular stuff. Also trying to relaunch my book. I got my rights back from Action Lab. Congratulations. Uh, create your own stuff. There you go. So yeah, it's some cool things on the Thank you, thank you, everybody. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been busy. But it's been eye-opening. It's been, you know, I meditate regularly, and I totally get that because yeah. I know people who I've recommended to, 
and they go nuts. I can't do that, you know, because you're alone with your thoughts. And a lot of times those thoughts are dark. You know, people found out that your kids aren't as lovely, right? You know, your kids are, are hellions. And you don't want to spend a minute with them, right? Uh, some people ended up finding that their marriages weren't as strong as they thought, right? Uh, other people did the opposite. They found relationships sweeter. You know, like, wow, I rediscovered how great this person was, right? So, I don't know, I mean, your mileage may vary, but it's, it's okay, it's bittersweet. Like a, like a lot of things in history, I, I was I was thinking about this a few like a year ago, that it's I think 1946 was the last time the whole planet had PTSD. <laughs> like you couldn't find someone. Probably there was someone in a small town in Chile that was not affected by the Second World War, possibly. And the same thing is probably true of COVID. But this was like in every country, all across the world, everybody. Every single one of us experienced some kind of trauma, some degree of trauma. And yeah, positive, you know, you've got a writing career out of it. It, 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 it manifested. There are positive ways in which it manifested. For me, I do think, like someone said, that as freelancers working at home, we were more ready for this than most of us. Like, I already got my groceries delivered. I don't really do whatever. Uh, like, I already used DoorDash. I don't know. <laughs> Going out? What? Other people? Other what? people? I don't know. What is this language you're speaking? But it was a stress test. And yeah, if your relationship, if your relationship required one of you to be out of the house 15 hours a day, yeah, that's sorry. You now you're stuck with each other. So yeah, it did. It did change a lot of how how those things work. And and you know, we all of us generationally we go through the the death of the parents is another stress test that almost every human being has to experience at some point, and you emerge from it a different person. And you know, I, I think as an overall thing, writing in particular, you, you do, it can be overstated how much you put in of yourself into it. Not everything is ripping your heart out and throwing it on the table. You know, sometimes it's, you know, combing your hair, you know? Sometimes it's not quite that deep. But during the pandemic, I had to write an issue of a creator-owned thing, so it's already more personal, in which the main character attempts suicide. Wow. I'm not a particularly suicidal person. I am a particularly positive person. But, in the, but to write it and to make it great instead of lame, I had to seriously consider what it would take to make me commit suicide and what I would have to be contemplating commit suicide and what would drive me to commit suicide. That was not a great couple of weeks writing that comic. Uh, like the average issue of the average thing doesn't cost me what that cost me. That cost me something. And the smoke cleared and then afterwards it's like now someone has to draw it and it's not my problem anymore. Uh, which is always great. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I, I'm not sure is happening is I think a lot, you know, the back, the rush back to normalcy. There's no normalcy yet. Don't kid yourself. It's actually interesting you say that because um, I lost uh, a friend that was very dear to me a couple of weeks ago, um, who was in the Power Rangers family, and I write Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, right. <laughs> so um, to sit there and like um, have that, and then have to write the script like nothing happened, it was very difficult. Yeah. Because I had to put that part away. 
I just remember it's not him. Yeah. It's his character. Yeah. No, I. I and that was rough. I I knew Jason twenty years ago. Thirty? What is that? Yeah. Now, Thirty years ago, that first season. Yeah. Yeah. It's 30, uh, for those of anniversary you, next yeah, year. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, one of the original uh, six Power Rangers passed away a couple of weeks ago, and it was a surprise, and it was horrible. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It, was it was rough on everybody. But it also people. shows that maybe we're not as over what happened in the pandemic as, a, yeah. as we thought. Right. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think. I think there's a human capacity. We all want to move on. We all want to get on with our lives, and that's. It's a positive thing that can be a very positive thing, but at the same token, it is really useful and great. And I think meditation is probably very helpful with this to go, you know, what I'm not okay, I thought I was okay, I thought everything was good, and then you know, I broke down in tears in the Ralphs, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it ain't all over yet. That's why I break but it's like this is important because if we are all locked in our homes alone, we think that we're the only crazy ones, you know, yeah, or we think we're that. crazy because we're going through a human experience. But that's why it was important for, for David and I to create this show during the pandemic because we were missing this. Because when you could get five of us in a room and, and, and say, hey guys, I'm going through this, and you have to the person people that can stand up and say, oh yeah, I, I was going through that too, and I went through this, and, and I lost this person, oh me too, and, and I was feeling this, and am I crazy because of this? No, 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 you think that's crazy? Listen to what I went through. And, and then it normalizes everything. It's just, you know, it's just the human experience. Um, and I think that people, this was a sink or swim event and we're all still swimming, thankfully. Doesn't mean our heads didn't dip in water here or there. Touch and go. Doesn't mean we didn't have water in our lungs uh, here and there, but we're all swimming. There are people that sunk and the people that sunk didn't, they didn't have this. They, they didn't seek this out. They couldn't seek it out for whatever reason. It wasn't available to them. Um, and that was really, it was the reason for the show was that, um, oh, yeah. was that, uh, I, here's the thing is I was going through something. Um, thankfully I had people like David that I could talk to about this. Um, and then, well, it's like, okay, well, why don't we have all these other people that we know and we love and, and that we value? Why don't, why don't we open the doors for everybody? You know, and, and, and that was a. That was an important thing, and, and of course, every every show is not as heavy as this, or as, or as heavy as yeah, it's been. Yeah, right? We've had some heavy shows. Um, yeah. uh, we absolutely have. We've had cutting shows and important shows. We've also had shows. And where, then you, you've had me on. Yeah. We've, we've also had shows where we spent an hour arguing over who, who who the coolest Star Trek captain was. So don't you know this is not this is not a self-important rant. Um, but <laughs> but I think that this is um, you know this is if I'm. Uh, I mean, this is me 80, I don't know where we're at now, 82, 83 episodes after yeah, everything like gets said and done after the accounting. Uh, uh, doing a little looking back, I mean, that's what this was for us. Yeah. And, I think that, and, and, and this isn't the only thing that kept us afloat, but when we needed it, this was, you know, this was the, the wooden beam floating by. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> this I, was the door that two of us could easily yeah. fit on, but only one of us made yeah, it. I'm, wow. I'm sorry, but you're Jack. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the joke that I've, I've told far too many times, but it is absolutely true, 
is I started another podcast, which is mostly just me reading from my favorite books, which I mean, it's as riveting as it sounds. Aren't you in like a wingback chair with your... Sometimes there's, also, ball there's, ball often, some, there's <laughs> often some day drinking on it. Can you it. picture this? It was also, <laughs> it was also uh, it's called Pulp Today, if you want to check it out. But uh, when people, you know, I always say, if someone had come up to me in 2019 and said, in 2020 you're going to create and do two podcasts, I would have literally said, does the world come to an end? How, how is that even a thing that I would consider, have time for, want to do? And for the end, Pulp Today was actually inspired by, uh, speaking of Star Trek captains, Patrick Stewart did a thing on Instagram where, my he, favorite. where he was reading a, uh, a Shakespeare sonnet every day. And I went, well, what's my version of that? Let me read some Dashiell Hammett to the people. That's, that's my Shakespearean sonnet. That's my hard-boiled Shakespearean sonnet. Um, but yeah, we all, we all did things to cope, and some of those things we are still doing. But you know, there's a, there's a, a couple of points I hit over and over again on this show, because I think they're, I think they're important, uh, and they're, I think they're good to know in a way. But the comics community is a community, it's a very small one, and it is a, to me, surprisingly, in a pleasant way, warm and welcoming one. I've never met Melissa before. Uh, I went, I literally went through the list of people that were gonna be at the show because, you know, why make it difficult here? So I'm like, okay, who's in Artist Alley with me? And I saw Melissa's name and I looked up, you know, who she was and her credits and I'm like, this is gonna be great, this is gonna be fine, we'll have Melissa on the show. And uh, I was right, uh, apparently. It was, a, it, was a, it was not, it was apparently not a risk and it was a good decision. Yeah, I can bring the room down really fast and you can pick it back up. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, I, I think that was the bad decision. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm literally a seat color. What am I fine with any of these? When you get up, when a Paul Crow is going to sit back down right here. Yeah, this is a small community, and sometimes you don't know people, but then you look at them on social media, and you know, magically, you have a hundred mutual friends. Yeah. And and you look at a post they made, and you know, and it's remarkably like something like a post you would make, and then you see the ten comments on it, and you know, very personally, six of the people making those comments. And, and, and that's what this community is like. And so, it, yep. it, so, so yeah, I mean, you almost know, I mean, that, that was the thing with, with David Brewer is that, um, is that we had so many mutual friends and everybody that I knew that knew David loved David. And so I, it, it, it was, I mean, they can't all be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 50, 60%, sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. not even. I mean, 30%. Yeah, yeah, 30%. I still have fifth dentist. Yeah, 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 right. Right, the fifth dentist. <laughs> this gum will actually kill you. Wait, what, what is the fifth <laughs> dentist saying? Why is he against the... That's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a. It's just, especially, you know, a lot of these panels and the, and the, the podcast is listened to by people who want to be in the industry, uh, the comic book industry. And I always encourage, like, it's, it's a, I've only been in the community for eight years and it is a very, very welcoming community. And you can take a flyer at like, I don't know this person, they've worked on some stuff I like, we have some mutual friends and mutual life experiences, I'm sure this is gonna be fine, you know? <laughs> and, it, and, and more often than not, it is. Uh, and it is a small enough industry also that when someone is not someone you wanna spend time with, you hear about it. Oh, yeah. You will hear about it. That is swift news. Yeah. yeah. So actually, that's that's sort of how I got into comics, believe it or not, when you talk about making a community. Because I went to cons for like 10 years. 
before I ever pitched anything to anybody, anywhere. And I just got to know editors, and I got to know people, and I got to be a person that other people thought were, you know, okay, he's, he's a nice guy, he's right. not enough three, two heads, and, and it took probably a decade of going to cons before I then pitched my first project. And when I did, I wanted to make sure that instead of sending it to editor at Dark Horse, or, you know, the generic email, submissions at imagecomics.com. I wanted to have a specific person I could address this to. And so I built a community before, long before. That's smart. I yeah. became a creator. And there's people that come up to our tables, all of us have this experience. They're like, can you look at my stuff? It's like, literally, I have known you existed for four seconds. Yeah. You asked, <laughs> you asked something, you, you're asking, you know, for my time and a commitment. Yeah. It's like you gotta build that yeah. that trust and that community, and then you ask the, "Hey, Melissa, can you take this over to Boom to see if I could write um, Power Rangers, please?" Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, because it's true. Because like, if you look at you know the timeline, it would seem that it happened relatively quickly for me. But like, I spent ten years working with Boom on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before I ever yeah. started writing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it did take, and you know, I only got dead lucky at Image because I knew Kyle Higgins for six years and he trusted me and so he was a good reference. But it took years of building those relationships in order for them to decide to take a chance on me. But 95% of the successful creators in comics yeah. have a similar story where they built the community first and then built the project second. Yep. Not the other way around. I no. I apologize to any you know longtime listeners of the podcast because they've probably heard me say this seven thousand times, but uh, I'm obsessed with how misunderstood networking is as a concept. Yeah. Because people think it's you you go to a professional setting like this one and you walk up to people and you say I want to do what you do, help me, uh, and that's not it. That will not work. People see the dollar signs in your eyes and they shut down. And they take the thing from you, and that thing they took from you, I'm sorry to tell you, it's going in the recycling. Okay. It just is. It may not like, unless the cover the is, is like the most amazing cover I've ever seen in my life that promises the most fascinating, unique concept. I'm, I, I, have, I have comics written by friends, some of them on this table, that I haven't read yet, that are sitting by my bed on a stack of things that I have to read. How the hell do you think you're getting ahead of that line? Right. You're not. You're just not. You're not cutting in front I think of. He's talking about yeah. me. I think you're not cutting in front of. <laughs> We're very like, close friends. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I just got it. I literally had to read 15 Hell's Angels books for this this thing right. I'm doing. It's it's thousands of pages. Yeah, and, you and got research. I don't have time to read my own books. Yeah, and <laughs> and I always say that you know I, I always say this. I'll say it again. People complain from outside of the film industry and the comic book industry, that oh, people just want to work with their friends. Yes, so do you. Yeah. You So would you, given the choice. You would rather work with people you like, who are who are your friends, so networking is making friends. Yeah, and it's, it, it, the it's end. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's one, you're gonna be spending a lot of time with these people, right? right? And so you wanna know you're gonna have a good time, that it's not gonna be a drag or... Um, Someone give me a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, so, so I was saying, it's, um, uh, what was I saying? 
Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's further. No, no. It was. Uh, um, she was bringing us uh, good news. So, um, but, but I, I think more than anything, it's. Um, you know, I, I was having a conversation in terms of working with your friends. It's really. It's about your friends. So, okay, are we going to have a pleasant time? Yeah. Uh, do you know this person backwards and forwards? But really, it's. I mean, when you get down to it, it's a, a, a dependability and an accountability uh, issue. Trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's making and, deadlines. And it, yeah. yeah. If I'm an editor at a big company. It's like I, here's the thing: is I, I was talking, um, I was talking with another creator about this today about hiring artists, right? And it's and, and they asked me, hey, do you ever walk through Artist Alley and 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 do you get, you know, do, do you hire artists out of Artist Alley? And I'm like, well, you know what? It's it's very difficult to do because you walk through Artist Alley, and okay, this guy drew a really great pinup. I don't know if he can do sequentials. You know what I'm saying? And and. Uh, and um, and comic art is not necessarily about doing great art. It's about doing very good art quickly and efficiently yep, that's all and, and, and stuff that moves, moves on through. And more than anything, I don't know if this person will deliver on time, uh, can handle that schedule, can handle any of these things. So, so it's very hard for me, even if I love their stuff, to, I can start a conversation maybe or whatever, but I'm not gonna hire that person tomorrow yeah. for any of this stuff. It's I would rather go to uh, uh, David Avaloni, or, or you know, and say, "Hey, got anybody? Who do you like? Do you know anyone that's that's free that five I people like can Ray for? Yeah, <laughs> very, very no, good. No, no, no. In the book, yeah, the book on Ray is going to be, you know, I, I can talk to five people, and they're going to be like, his art is great. He 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 over delivers. He delivers on time. Uh, he no, never says that last. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls things out of the script that you weren't expecting. They will, you know, uh, uh, you know, because because a, a lot of my stuff with a lot of my stuff with an artist is here's a script they give you eighty percent of it, but but then there are artists who you give them a script and they give you one hundred and ten percent where it's like like oh, oh you know I read this and you know what, what it, it it led to this this and this and so so I, I created this and it's additive like they made they made they made the comic theirs and that's awesome and so. So how am I going to hire somebody who comes up to me and hands me a beautiful drawing, or somebody I'm walking through Artist Alley and I see a beautiful drawing when five people can tell me that Ray is going to give me that? Um, and, and so, so every day of the week and twice on on Sunday, I am going to hire Ray. You've uh, heard that, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and instead of instead of the average person, so yeah. you, have, you have to earn that. So, yeah, no, so I think he literally just hired you, right? I, I know, yeah. I know, but I, I want to go into that a little more. I, I did a, a yeah. panel with James Asnes about exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I have this urge to call you Rye. Can I call you Rye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Because I feel like we know each other. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But um, so right. it's it's all collaborative, and you want to hang out and collaborate with with your friends, right? Mm -hmm. And your friends know what you want, what you're looking for. You get excited about similar things, right? And then usually, let's say, you know, David, the two Davids, Rylan, Melissa, whoever, we're talking with new friends, we, we're, we're shooting the shit all the whole time. Wouldn't this be cool, wouldn't this be cool? Anyone writing on this panel comes to me and we've been talking for years, you know that idea that I had? Yeah. Oh, the one that you really love? Oh yeah, that one? Well, you know, I know you're free. Before you finish, most of the people you know are like, let's do it, yeah. right? Let's yeah. go. You know, and, and that's the thing. And then it becomes a collaborative effort in storytelling. So you're talking about the people in Artist Alley, who I love, I started in Artist Alley. That's, that's where my beginnings were, but you don't know anything about them. Yep. And it's, it's pretty art versus, if you wanna make a comic, a comic is a story. Mm -hmm. Pretty art is, is like extra. 
You know what I mean? That's a cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that draws you in, but you know, it could be a, a cover, it could be a pinup book, right? But you want to tell a story, and that's all the things that you guys labor over. Yeah. Telling a good story. If you hire someone who you don't know, you know, you're you're just going on that one awesome pinup that you saw, yeah. right? And they can't fulfill any of the things that Rowan talked about. It kind of sucks, yeah. you know, uh, and you don't want that. But you do want somebody who you've known for a long time, knows, delivers. Sometimes you're waiting for that person to be free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what does that person have to say? I know that you have to say something. Yes. I, I, I you know, I, I know that I'm working on defense on the page. You're going to be doing it too. And and you know, here's the thing: the most meaningful part of this whole experience for me is I write a story, I send it out, you know, into the world, and people come back and they say, hey. This was meaningful to me. I was going through a hard time, and and this is very meaningful to me. My my first book, Aberrant, was um, you know I, I grew up in a military family, and um, and you know it was a it was a book about loss. Uh, a, a special operations commander he loses his entire unit, and he's he's processing it the entire time. And of course, there's action and 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 you know bang boom the whole nine yards. But really, it was about you know it was about growing up in a military family. It was about loss. It was about the effects of war. It was about PTSD. It was about all of this stuff. And so, you know, my, my dad went to Vietnam, he never recovered from it. You know, the, the last thing he said to me before he died, and he died of cancer caused by Agent Orange, so Vietnam killed him. And the last thing he said to me was, I'm worried that God is not gonna forgive me for what I had to do over there. And that was, that was devastating. I mean, he died with that, that was what was on his mind. You and I have to talk. It, it, yeah, dad was in Vietnam. and I've never recovered from that. And so I had to write, I had to write that to deal with it. And so I sent it out to the world, and you know, even still, I mean, it's I don't know what it is, five, six years later, and I get you know, and, and some people read it and it's like, oh, you know, action, action thing, you know, whatever. Uh, I get you know, I get soldiers that come up to me and they're like, hey, man, I did you know, I did two tours, um, and I read this and I saw myself in it, you know, and that's that's extremely important to me. And so, um, you know, there are artists that are gonna they're gonna draw what they see, but then there are artists who are gonna bring something meaningful to the table. They're gonna infuse this with their their things. And so if I was writing a book about loss, you would you, you would be pouring your heart and soul into it. And you know, there there aren't a lot of people out in the world that are gonna do that necessarily. At least I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I, I can't count on that. So I'm gonna go to somebody I know is is one wrestling with some stuff, but also somebody who is actively doing that on the page and, and knows how to infuse a story with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, we all, I mean, we all look for people to collaborate. I mean, but as an example, like, I met Ray a year ago because we were back-to-back -back in Artist Alley. Yeah. And I feel like I've known David forever. I, but I looked at his, the work looked great. Looks like a friendly guy. I walk over to his table and introduce myself and look at his stuff. We talk about what we have in common and what projects we've worked on together. He made a very nice sketch of IG-88 in my sketchbook, because the first story I was ever paid for professionally was an IG-88 story, Boba Fett IG-88 story in a Star Wars game publication from 1989, so I thought it'd be a nice little, because he had drawn IG-88 in a comic written by my buddy Rodney. Yeah, and it was, it was the cover. <laughs> so yeah. It was a nice cover. It was a nice cover. Mm -hmm. uh, but we got to know each other, and I love him. I think he's a great guy. And But that's, you know, that's the community. We're on the floor together. We, you know, we talk for a minute. 
And you know, I walked up to people in Artist Alley, talked to them for three minutes, and gone, okay, that was three minutes. I'll never get back. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I could have spent my time better uh, than that. But that's, you know, that's that's how you find that's how you find your crew. That's how you find the community. And it's, uh, you know, we did the podcast because there was no Artist Alley at the time we were doing it, and that was our that was our reaction to it. You know, and a lot of people maintained their friendships online that way, uh, which is a great way to do it. But it's it is nice to be back in person. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna plug David's uh, Elvira series. Oh, thank you. So good. Yeah. I have Elvira, a, Elvira Vincent Price. The Elvira Elvira meets Vincent Price was the previous one. The current one is Elvira in Horrorland. Yeah. Yep. Actually, that's, a that's great important. example of an artist adding something. So, Sylvia Vincent Price. Yeah, no, Sylvia Collins, <laughs> Sylvia Califano, who I have never met, was doing Star Trek at IDW. And I wanted to do this uh, eight page dream project of mine based on my father when he told me, true story, my father told me uh, the fairy tales, the Grimm's fairy tales. For whatever reason, he chose to tell them as. World War II combat stories about himself. <laughs> like, so he, so the Little Red Riding Hood story ends with my father kicking down the door with a Thompson and machine gunning the, and saving the little girl, you know, because why not? Like, he just thought that was a funny way to tell a story. And when I went to some of my artist pals to draw it, I was gonna do an eight page version, they were all like, oh man, I don't wanna draw tanks, oh Jesus. And Nazi uniforms, and oh, it's so detailed. And I real I love Sylvia's work on Star Trek, and I went, this is a person who is forced to be dead accurate oh, yeah. on every panel. Like she's got Paramount and CBS going, that doesn't look like on Shatner, that's not a phaser, that doesn't look like the Klingon worship. So she's like gonna be fine with it. But she is such a hundred and ten percent person. There's one joke in every issue. The first issue, Elvira finds herself in the movie Psycho. And there's a, there's, a, there's a panel that's literally on the page, it's just Elvira mutters something under her breath to Norman Bates about the showers. It could have had no background on it. It's just close up of Elvira. She found the sheet music of the stabbing theme and it's just playing just behind her as background. And you, can, and you can look at it and go, why is there a music clef behind her? And then you just see it's the same high note over and over again. I went. Oh, that's the <laughs> And two issues later, she's in the movie Alien, and she's explaining to the crew of the Nostromo, you're all gonna die. And it's a close-up, and literally, again, in the script, it's, here's how you're all gonna die. And behind her, she drew a Pac-Man board, where the alien is the Pac-Man, and there's a little Tom Skerritt head, and a little cat, and a little, and a little Harry Dean Stanton with the eyes X'd out, because he's already dead. Like, that's not in my script. That is genius yes. level. Yes. I am bringing myself to the to the page. She was like, "Well, this is just a close up. It's boring. I'm going to do this absurd comedy thing in the background." And it's so funny. But uh, you live for that kind of thing when a collaborator meets you way more than halfway. Yeah. And we should probably wrap up, even though we have been told we can. We all have our tables. Yeah. 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 We need to. Are we having too much fun? <laughs> but uh, we, should, we always like to wrap up with where can people find you? I mean, it's only a half hour more to, for them to find you at your table. Yeah. Run. 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 Run away. 
But uh, where can people find you online, et cetera? Ray, why don't we start with you? Um, so I'm Ray Anthony Hyde. I'm the only one, uh, you might find my son, who's Anthony Hyde, basketball <laughs> guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just look me up, or R.A. Hyde. I'm on Instagram, I'm no longer on Twitter, uh, but I'm also on Facebook, and uh, yeah, that's it. You said you left Twitter, huh? I love Twitter. Is there any, something going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> you know that song who let the dogs out? <laughs> 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 That's an excellent No, I, I, I now feel bad for saying you can find me on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> uh, but um, Instagram and Twitter for now, until they come up with a better version, uh, Misty underscore Flores on both. That's where you can find me. I, I, I don't know how Elon is uh, fixing Twitter when he's you know, solving this crisis uh, uh, with Russia. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's it's very interested in, in seeing pictures of Hunter Biden's dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very... Oh my God. That's this, really... this is how we ended it. My Twitter is at Hunter Biden's At Hunter's Junk. Hunter's Junk. At DavidGore.com. Oh my God, stop. Educational. You can find me on Twitter still. At David Boer. You can find me on Instagram at David M. Boer. I'm very active on the app Whatnot. If you know that one, it's at David Boer. Facebook, if you're if it's if, if you're, you're old, if you're dirty. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for coming. I'm yeah, saying. thank you so much for thank coming. You. Um, if, yeah, if you want to hear my proposal for ending the war in the Ukraine, you can uh, visit me on social media. Uh, <laughs> at Ryan Grant on all forms of social media. That's R Y. L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just sort of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it, and so now I have to spell it for you. Um, but yeah, my books, uh, Aberrant, Banjack, Suicide Jockeys, can be found in uh, fine comic shops everywhere. Um, and uh, look for Fashing Origins uh, in comic shops via Dynamite uh, very soon. And I am David Avalone, which uh, you know is an easy name to make fun of on the play playground, but also very easy to Google in the 21st century. Uh, so uh, easy to find. And uh, on all the various social medias, I stuck around on Twitter to. I spend most of my time retweeting slams on Elon. It's like wow. if there's a reason to stay on Twitter, I think that's a really good. Really good reason. I like what I like to do is every day I repost where the Tesla stock is that day. Tesla's like, hey, how's it going, man? How's it going, man? You're not only tanking this company, you're tanking your other company. Well done. Um, but uh, yeah, I can be found on all the social media. I think the next thing I have coming out is Elvira in Horrorland number five, which will be out, I think, in a couple of weeks, and uh, have something in Savage Tales number two. And uh, next year will be Elvira in Monsterland. Why stop? Right. Yeah. And uh, the, the the one with the tanks and the fairy tales has been involved two fisted fairy tales, and that will also be coming probably from Dynamite Comics. What? But thank you so much for joining us, and give a listen to the show online if you get a chance, and uh, have a lovely rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>